Good morning, Restoration Church. My name is Mike Gruppin, for those of you that don't know. Uh, on occasion, when Dave needs a little break from reality, I get the, uh, the honor and the privilege to uh, take a few minutes and, and share uh, with you guys. So it is an absolute honor uh, and privilege to, to, to have the opportunity to share again uh, this morning. This, be- this week has been a crazy week, not going to lie. Um, it, it's, a, it's kind of an interesting thing when you're, when you're trying to prepare a message, you're trying to prepare for Sunday, and all the things that come up, right? I, I, I literally, as I looked at my week this week, I, I knew that I had a really busy week ahead of me, and uh, so I was like, okay, here's, here's my time slots that I'm going to prepare for Sunday, and every single one of those time slots uh, somebody showed up at the, at the door. Somebody called. There was, a, there was a crisis. There was a situation. And it gives me a little bit of a glimpse into the, the day in and day out weekly life of a pastor, of Pastor Dave, right? And, uh, you know, I, I get the opportunity to uh, put together a message once in a while. I couldn't imagine having to do this every week and do it as well as this guy. So just a little plug for my pastor, the guy I love. Give it up for Dave. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Dave only works one day a week. I found the website that he pulls his sermons off of, so, yeah. (laughs) He's going to have to go to a different website. Uh, today we're going to be continuing our, uh, our journey through the book of uh, 1 Thessalonians. Uh, we're going to be spending some time in chapter 5, uh, verses 1 through 11 is where we're going to camp out. Um, but I want to set some framework before we get there. And uh, before we do that, I do want to just pray for the message. If you guys would join me in prayer for that. Father God, I just thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you uh, that the, the, the church of Thessalonica, uh, the, the, the church that Paul was writ- writing to, uh, is really no different than the church that we have today. So, Father, I just pray that, that Paul's words to uh, uh, the, the Thessalonians uh, would resonate with us today, Lord, that it would speak to us right where we're at. And, Father, that, that you would strengthen and encourage and embolden this body of believers for you. So, Father, we give you this morning, Lord, I pray that my flesh and my, uh, my own stuff would get out of the way, and, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would speak through me. In Jesus' name, amen. So, first off, I just want to say that, like, I'm super-duper encouraged to be a part. Super-duper, <laughs> yes. Super-duper encouraged. Uh, that's actually in First uh, Thessalonians. Uh, Paul says, I'm super-duper encouraged by you guys. All right, it's a, and I think it's an NIV. But anyway, um, that's the message, <laughs> super duper, yeah. <clears throat> I love being a part of this body. The, 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 the past year and a half has, has, has woken up something in me that, that I kind of feel like was asleep 
uh, for, for years. Like, like I've, I've always known that I was a believer. I've always been a strong believer. I, I've been the type of person that wants to get out there and share the gospel and live my life right. But the last year and a half has just really turned it up a notch for me. Like, I, like I'm super duper excited, right? I see amazing things happening within this church. Uh, every week we have new testimonies of things that are going on, right? We, we, we have people standing up saying, hey, I was, I was injured and now I'm healed. Uh, hey, we had this going on and here's how it got taken care of. Uh, we had this crisis rise up and uh, Kurt Koning came and took care of it, right? Uh, or, 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 you know, I mean, but, but we, we, we have just constantly things happening in this body of believers that I haven't seen in other churches that I've been a part of. Um, we have, again, teams that head across the ocean to, to go and bring the message of Jesus Christ. Uh, and, I, and I'm not talking one or two. We've had multiple teams over the past uh, year and a half that, that we've been uh, doing this restoration thing. And... Um, we have strong men's groups, strong women's groups. We have, we have amazing things that are going on. And, and, and it's, it's kind of like when I, when I start to read through Thessalonians, I, I, I feel like I start to get the feeling that Paul had when he looks at the church of Thessalonica. Because in case you didn't know, Paul was over the top with his passion for Jesus Christ. Like, like Paul, just before going to the church of Thessalonica, he is in a, a town called Philippi, and, and this is the story where he's preaching the gospel, he is so all in for the gospel of Jesus Christ that he is beat up, he is put into prison, and it's in that prison where they're just like, hey, we're in prison, we're going we're gonna to sing praises to God. And, 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 and he, he, he sings, and we, we know the story that the, the, the earth shakes and the gates open, and, and he stays right there. And it's, it's after that moment then that he goes and he travels through a few other cities, and he ends up in the, in the, uh, the town of uh, Thessalonica. And that town was strategically chosen by Paul because it was a... It was a hub. It was a, it, it was a, it was a town of about 200,000 people. And, um, and it, it was the, the, the go-between between the agricultural and the sea, uh, sea routes, right, to, to get stuff out to other places. So Paul knew strategically, if I can plant a church here, this church would have the potential of reaching the world. If, if, if I can plant a, a group of believers right here, uh, these believers and their faith can go all throughout the world. Well, Paul goes there, and he's only there for about three weeks. He's only in uh, Thessalonica for about three weeks, but his passion, the fire, what he carried, his, 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 his desire to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ is so strong that there's a few people there that catch the fire. And, and it also annoys a lot of other people. So, so the, the Jews and the Gentiles, uh, and, and I mean, it, it gets all the way to the city council of this city, and they're like, this guy's got to go. He's, he's creating all this tension and turmoil in the city. So in the middle of the night, about 8.15, <laughs> a 
Paul, Paul is ushered out of the city and he goes to the next city, which is Berea. All right. So Paul is off in Berea and he's off doing the things that he's doing. And meanwhile, the church back over here is just simmering with the message of Jesus Christ. And at some point, Paul hears, starts to hear stories of what's happening in, in, in Thessalonica. And so where I want to start is just in uh, chapter 1, uh, verse 4, and I'm going to read just a few verses here. But I just want to hear, I want you to hear how excited Paul is about what's happening there. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you. Because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power. I'm guessing some really awesome stuff happened that we've never even read about. Healings, prophetic words, uh, great stuff was happening. Um, But also with power. With the Holy Spirit and deep conviction, you know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering and with your joy and with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And you so became a model to all believers in Macedonia and, what's that word? Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything more about it. Paul is pumped. He's like, I spent three weeks in this city. We established a church uh, that, that was strategically placed because we wanted it to go all throughout the world, and it did. People, Paul is like, what? Hold on. What's happening in, in, in Thessalonica? He, he's hearing these people caught the fire and the importance of the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ that transforms lives. One of my favorite things to say is that it is, it was, and it always will be only and all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. That's what Paul would live and die for. He would go from city to city to city, get the tar beat out of him, and preach the gospel and, and, and then he, after getting beat up, he would go back into the city and preach the gospel some more. It was that important to him. I feel like over the past two years, I've been part of a body of believers that gets that. That, that gets that the, the message of the gospel is so much greater than uh, going on Sunday morning, paying my tithe, and, and, and going off and living normally for the rest of the week. So Paul, knowing that this church is going and knowing that this church is in a, in a hub of all kinds of different things in the culture, there's all different kinds of idol worship, there's uh, many different religions and everything within uh, Thessalonica. So he's writing to them in 1 Thessalonians, and the first three chapters he's saying, way to go, you guys are doing amazing things. What, what, what I'm seeing is really encouraging. But then Paul, in chapters 4 and chapter 5, he kind of switches his mindset a little bit to say, all right, you're doing great, 
But now let's keep your eyes focused on what's important. Because as we all know, that sometimes when you come to, to a, a rela- into a, a saving relationship with Christ, uh, it, it, you're right out of the gate. You're, you're all in. But, but, then, but then slowly as time starts to progress, you, you start to hear, well, this person's idea or this person's idea. And, and things start to come in and distract and cloud your vision. And that's where I want to pick up on chapter 5, starting in verse 1. And I'm going to try to break this apart into about four pieces, if that's cool. All right. So he's writing to them and he says, now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we do not need to write you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. (laughs) One of the things that I really believe that Paul is saying here is, you know that Jesus is coming back. Don't get distracted trying to figure out the times and the dates. He's going to come back. Be prepared every single day because Jesus could come back today. Jesus could come back tomorrow. He could come back the next day. What I think that Paul is saying is live your life that you are ready no matter what day Jesus comes back because nobody knows the, the hour or the day. Back in, uh, back in the late 90s, um, I, I, I had found a couple of uh, people that I was following and, um, and uh, you know, listening to prophetic voices type people, and they were always trying to, it, it, it pulled me in because they were trying to pinpoint the, the day that Jesus was going to come back. And I was like, oh, I got I to hear this. This is good stuff, right? And, and, uh, and, and one of these guys just kept, uh, he had all these predictions, and every single one of these predictions came and went. None of them happened. But one of the guys in my gym uh, at, at Flex Fitness Center, he was so pulled in by this and so compelled that 1999 going into 2000 was it, right? So about June or July of 1999, he goes out and he buys a brand new truck. He, uh, he's just financing all this stuff. He went, he went crazy, just like, and, and he would come into the gym and he would say, I don't have to pay it back. <laughs> I, always tell, I always tell people, uh, well, people always ask me, whatever happened to him? And I'm pretty sure he's, I don't know where he's at now, but I always say nobody was more surprised to wake up on January 1, 2000 than that guy, right? But here's the problem. He believed in the prophetic stuff that he was hearing, but it didn't push him towards Jesus Christ. It pushed him towards panic. It pushed him towards uh, anxiety and fear. And, and it pushed him to say, well, I'm going to just feed myself and, 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 and pour into myself I'm going to live it up for these last six months. It didn't push him towards Christ. And, and, and so I still see some of these, these people out there that they are just constantly trying to point people towards, well, here's, here's the things. Here's, 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 the, here's the end date. And they're trying to name times and places. Don't get caught up in that stuff. Don't get caught up in the distractions. 
Jesus could come back tomorrow. It could be 100 years from now. We don't know, but live every day like you are ready for him to come. Next section. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness, so that this day should not surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. I want to point out that Paul is very clear that there are them and there are we, right? There, there are those that are not going to be prepared and they live in the darkness and they are going to be very surprised when Jesus comes back. And then there's we. We live in the light. We, 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 we live in, in, in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, in a relationship with Jesus Christ. We are not going to be surprised, but there are movements within the church right now uh, that they go, they go by names such as universalism, deconstruction, uh, the emergent church. These type of movements within the church are trying to erase the we and the them. They're just trying to say that everybody's going to go to heaven. Uh, everybody's good. All all sins, it doesn't matter what, what you believe, all the, you know, all the things that, that, that are in the world that are creating a lot of confusion right now. There's so much uh, sexual and gender confusion in the world right now. And, and these type of things say, you know what, well, we believed all of this for so long that, that was in the Bible, but the Bible was written by men, so we only just take it uh, at, uh, you know, at, at a small value but God can be whatever we want to make it. It becomes your truth, not the truth. And we know that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through Jesus Christ. There is one way. There is no other name under heaven by which we are saved, the name of Jesus. It's all about Jesus. We have to be careful of how the world is trying to pull us back into the darkness. We represent the light. When, when, when God uh, created the earth, it, it said that the, 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 the world was dark and void of any shape, and he spoke, let there be light. He brought light into the darkness. Jesus himself said, I am the light of the world. In the book of Psalms, it says, the Bible is a light. It's a lamp unto our feet. This is the truth. This right here is our guide. Anything that is trying to uh, dig a hole underneath this or discredit this word right here is against God. It is antichrist. Anything that is trying to create an alternative truth or your truth is no truth at all. This is the truth. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and hope of salvation as a helmet. 
Again, we are to look different than the world. One of my favorite quotes is uh, by a guy by the name of Charles Spurgeon. This is back in the 1800s. But he says uh, that the reason that the church has so little influence over the world is because the world has so much influence over the church. That was in the 1800s. How much more is that true today? How do we go out and look different than the general population that's living in the darkness as Christians? I was talking to one of the, the, the men in, the, uh, in church today, and he said, you know what? Uh, the last week or so, my wife and I, we've started praying together. And it's awkward and it's difficult because we haven't done that for 20 plus years in our marriage. That is saying, you know what? I'm going to live differently than what the world is doing. When we stand for the name of Jesus Christ, when we, when we see that person in the supermarket and we say, hey, you know what? I'm gonna, I, I would like to pray for you. And we do it right there in that moment. And we pray knowing our identity and knowing our authority and big things happen. When we show up, not just on Sunday morning, but when we show up throughout the week to help people, to lift people up, to give of our finances, to, to sacrifice for ourselves, that's different than a world that says, no, 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 this is mine. It's a difference between being selfish and selfless. Christ followers are selfless. But it's also, and this is me speaking to myself, it's also being able to deal with a very difficult situation and not get angry, not get depressed, not get anxious. These, these are areas where as a, as a Christian, I have to remind myself, uh, I shouldn't be reacting this way. This shouldn't have this much control over me, this stuff of the world. So to live in the light and not in the darkness is to be able to handle things better. And, 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 and occasionally I've had people say, man, you seem really calm through this. And I didn't get permission to say this, but uh, I, I think that we all uh, were so blessed by the way that the bustlers went through their last several months. You should be freaking out. You should, you should, be, you should be sad. You should be all these things. But they were holding on to their relationship with Christ. This, this, this family that's going through, uh, what was the shoe, uh, the schoonmakers, right? Well, one of the things that I heard is that they're holding on to their faith through this when so many people would just be angry. We need to be different than the world. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's all about the gospel. It's all about Jesus. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. That's what I love about this church. I see a group of people that are building each other up, encouraging each other, I see people's faith growing 
because for the first time in a long time, they're in a church where brothers and sisters come around them when they're going through a hard time and they're encouraging them in the faith. That's the backbone of this church. That is what will continue to keep this church moving forward and not only affecting our body, but affecting the community in Zealand and a community worldwide. I got to tell you too, I was so pumped that Dave shared that video of the Ukrainian church. It just reminds me of the church of Thessalonica. They're hearing about you around the world. Here, these people are hunkered down uh, in a basement or whatever they're, they're in, and, and they are they're, 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 they're worshiping the Lord. They're lifting him up, and they have no clue, but in Zealand, Michigan, we are watching them and being encouraged by them. Our faith, how we go through the difficult times in life, our faith has the ability to encourage and lift up others, but we need to make sure that we keep it all about Jesus Christ. This world that we live in is so chaotic with social media and everything else. We are just bombarded with different thoughts, ideas, and everything, and, and sometimes that stuff sounds pretty good. We have an enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's the ultimate deceiver, and he's going to, he's not going to come through the door with uh, red horns and a, a trident. He's going to come through the door, and it's going to look pretty good. It's, 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 it's often going to come like he did as a snake, where he's going to say, did God really say It's the same thing that he tried to do with Jesus. But Jesus, for 40 days, being tested in the wilderness, every time Satan tried to give him the, did, you, did God really say? Well, if this is true, isn't this? And Jesus gave him an answer right back every single time. A lot of these really progressive movements within the church keep asking questions, but the answers are always elusive. That should be a clear sign that that's not about Jesus. Because you ask me anything, I'm going to tell you it all points back to Jesus. It's all about Jesus. There's no one else who died for us. There, there's no one else that paid that price. There's no one else that was at creation with God and the Holy Spirit. It is the word of God, Jesus Christ. So, Father God, I just thank you for this day. Lord, I pray that we would be encouraged. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak through each one of us in the different communities of uh, people that we're in throughout the week. Lord, that you would create inside of us a boldness to stand strong for you no matter what is happening in the world. So, Lord, I just pray a blessing over Restoration Church. In Jesus' name, amen.